Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. Hello everyone, what's up guys? Today we discuss about marketing for startups, how you can get results. And I'm excited to discuss this topic with David Horash. How are you? How are you doing, Anatoly? Great to be here. Yeah, it's a big pleasure, big pleasure. Uh, I check out your profile. Yeah, you have extended experience. Can you uh, share more about your background, experience, and why you decided to take this topic? Um, so a bit, uh, okay, so a bit of background. About uh, three three years ago, I think it was, two mm -hmm. years ago. So I had my own uh, uh, biz dev marketing agency, uh, basically a go-to-market go to team with me and another, another three people. And basically we help early stage companies, tech companies work with, um, uh, work with large fortune, uh, fortune 500s, um, and main, mainly in the U S mainly in the U S. Uh, so did that for about uh, about two years, and then one of the companies that uh, I was working with, which was a seed stage company, um, so basically they uh, they offered me to to join the the company and uh, basically lead the marketing of the company. Company could for called 4M Analytics. Uh, what we do is uh, we use a combination of uh, satellite imagery and artificial intelligence to create subsurface utility maps. Uh, that's uh, that's in a nutshell. So the infrastructure world, uh, construction tech, that 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 type of uh, ecosystem. Um, and I think like uh, like we'll we'll dive into this, I guess, uh, during the conversation. But there is a huge opportunity for marketers in the infrastructure tech, construction tech industry because there's just no no content. There's there's no one doing marketing. It's all very uh, an old industry that's uh, using all techniques. So yeah. lots of room to grow. Nice, nice. I can hear the next generation is uh, going to be marketer. You know, <laughs> <laughs> love them. Yeah, you yeah. know, <laughs> it's, it's part of the part of the work from home uh, uh, challenges <laughs> challenges that we have. So uh, yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe down the line. <laughs> That's okay. You know, no worries about that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's uh, yeah our next generation. We need to respect them. They wanna. Uh, take part in podcasts, you know, to share their opinions. Sometimes <laughs> it's hard to understand, but, you know, for example, for me, it's hard to understand uh, Gen Z, you know, sometimes. So I think Gen Z is harder, maybe. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, I don't when, know, maybe. No judgment. Uh, when, you, when you hire a specialist uh, who have the same age, they can understand each other. So <laughs> I think I when you hire kids, you, they can understand kids. And yeah, so uh, yeah, it's good to have a new generation and all. Okay, let's talk more about uh, KPI. Uh, can you tell more uh, how to uh, analyze them uh, before starting any projects? For example, if someone want to invest uh, 100k now uh to mar in marketing uh how to learn and uh forecast these kpis yeah uh well i think i think one of the hardest things to do in business uh in in business functions is determine the kpis for uh for marketing in general uh because what what uh 
uh, first time marketers do is I say, okay, so I put up this ad. Uh, I see, I like, I have it going for one month uh, up in the air, and then after one month, I see, I I try and understand which uh, which inbounds, which opportunity opportunities came from that ad. And uh, then, like, if any deal closed from that ad, so uh, basically that would be my ROI of marketing. Uh, but that is completely wrong and false. And I think the reason why that is is because marketing takes time. Mm-hmm. It it takes a lot, a lot of time to for the customer to get to, to know you and trust you. And the only way to get the customer to uh, to know you and trust you is by constantly uh, engaging with the customer and being in the places where that where that customer is, whether it's uh, it's uh, being in their um, solution exploration uh, journey, so uh, a lot of SEO, and whether it's uh, being in their feed, like and being in their uh, uh, areas of interest, uh, and you need to constantly be there. You need to be constantly showing up in that place for them to get to know you because it um, the hardest thing to do is to find the customer that's in the buying uh, journey right where you want him, where he's ready to buy and he needs the exact product that uh, solution that you're offering. That nearly never happens. So what you need to build is you need to build a marketing system that constantly engages with the people who you believe will buy maybe in six months, maybe in 12 months. And if you build that trust with them over uh, uh, over six to 12 months, so they're gonna, uh, you're going to be their first choice when they look for a solution uh, for the problem that uh, that you are trying to solve. Um, I kind of kind of lost my uh, my trail of thought with uh, with the question, uh, but I think uh, mm-hmm. that 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 in, in in a gist, I think that. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, that's the, like regarding the the KPIs. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's what it was. So I think that uh, we what we need to do is measure. Uh, like marketers need to measure by revenue, and mm-hmm. a lot of marketers, first time marketers, they make the mistake of talking about likes, comments, and shares. They go into a board meeting with the, the CEO or their CMO or a VP mm-hmm. or whoever they're working with, and say, "Look, we got fifty likes, and we got the, we got a thousand views, and nobody cares about that." Nobody cares mm-hmm. about it. What they care about, what they care about, is business. How much money did marketing bring into the company? Um, and what I think, though, is that there needs to be like internal KPIs and external KPIs. So the external KPIs, like what you tell the board, what you tell the decision makers in the companies, you say, guys, we don't care about anything besides revenue. But internally in the marketing team, there are indicators showing that you're on the right track towards. Uh, towards revenue. And those mm-hmm. indicators are, first of all, engagement. Like you want to see the people are engaging with your content. After engagement, you want to see the people are reaching out to your company or contacting your company to hear more about the solution. So inbounds. And then after inbounds, you want to see uh, you want to see the inbounds moving up the pipeline. So moving from a, me- a meeting to a qualification uh, to a, uh, sorry, a meeting to a quote, to negotiations and then eventually to a closed one, mm-hmm. and that actually is the place where you can, uh, when you can tell the CEO, or you can tell whoever you're working with, you can say, "Look, we're seeing the move up the pipeline," mm-hmm. and that I think is like the pipeline and the revenue. Those are the real uh, key performance indicators that I think marketing should have, and it's not about the likes, comments, and shares. 
So yeah, got it. By yeah. the way, you know, I I, I love uh, getting likes, comments, and shares. <laughs> so of guys, so do I. So do I. We all do. I, I care, uh, guys. Please share, like, comment. <laughs> of course, of course, we wanna get revenue. Yeah, yeah, it's the main reason. But you know, I think um, when you love what you do, uh, yeah, and you wanna. Uh, bring your heart, you know, to others to help them to share value. Why not? So, <laughs> yeah, just just put it. Okay, uh, can you tell mm-hmm. the difference between paid marketing and organic reach, um, and how to analyze KPIs for uh, organic? For example, we provide a lot of free stuff, educational content. Um, uh, I don't know live streams and something like this, but it's hard to measure KPI. Uh, from your experience, how to uh, measure it uh, for uh, uh, organic reach? And because because for pay per click, uh, I'm not sure it's uh, hard because uh, in pay per click we can see how competitors can spend uh, uh, to predict. Uh, our revenue, but for organic reach, it's not, you know, when you write blog posts or provide any other educational stuff, uh, how, how to measure it? Yeah, so, uh, so that's a great question. I think it uh, uh, it really depends on the, the where you see the organic and the paid in your funnel. So the, the mm-hmm. way, like, uh, there's like, uh, I can't remember the terms, but uh, People say uh, uh, top of funnel, middle of funnel, right bottom of funnel. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the, the acronyms of that. Uh, but what I like to think of is we have the awareness stage, we have the trust stage, and then we have the demand stage. And what I use organic and paid for is for the awareness and the, and the trust stage. So basically, mm-hmm. those are the stages that I want people to be aware of who I am and be able to, to trust me. So what we do on our organic page is we, first of all, like all our content is talking about the problem that uh, that our ICP is experiencing. That's all we do. We never, we nearly never talk about what we do as a company, about our technology, about our solution. We never talk about it. We only talk about the problems that they experience. And then what happens mm-hmm. is that our audience agrees. They say, wow, I experienced that. I agree with that. And also this meme is kind of funny, so I think I'm going to share it. And then when they share it, so their friends, their network sees it, and they don't even know sometimes that they're sharing our company. They just like the content, so they're sharing it. Um, And then eventually along that line, like after it's been shared and gone mini viral, like it's not like 10,000 shares, but it's like 20 shares or 10 shares. So the net, their networks see it, and eventually someone clicks the company profile, that 4M Analytics at the top, which is the name of our company. And when they click that, they get to the company page, and there they see our pitch. We are XYZ, our technology does one, two, three for uh, these types of companies, uh, and that's where they they're convert. And that's a stage of demand where basically we enable them to convert and kind of reach out to us and become an opportunity for the company to, to do business. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so going back to your question, the way we use organic and paid is we put, we sponsor our organic content. So if we, we, we test our organic content on our audience and if we see a post that goes well, um, so basically we, we make it paid. And then we reach all our ICP, and it's not—it's not a pit—it's not an ad that we use to get to, for someone to fill out a form or take them to a landing page. 
We just want them to be aware of our content. Does that make sense? Yeah, of course, of course, makes sense. Okay, uh, can you tell more about uh, finding um, ide ideal customer? Uh, for example, I think it's uh, very important in paid marketing, yeah, because you can't compete with big companies uh, uh, trying to cover a broad audience. Yeah, of course, it's better to find your ideal customer and uh, uh, and spend your marketing budget with that. But uh, for organic reach, it's not the same. And for example, big companies, uh, I remember HRFs, uh, Team Solo uh, from HRFs shares that they couldn't find uh, ideal customer for HRFs because, yeah, it's big audience, a lot of customers, uh, and they don't know how to uh, build uh, such person. Can you tell from your experience how to do it, how to uh, find ideal customer? For example, I have clients, women, men, uh, different ages. Okay, Gen Z don't buy from me. I don't know why, <laughs> but but other ages they do. Uh, so uh, uh, how, how to find them? Okay, so uh, let, let, let me uh, uh, share a concept that that I like having when I uh, when I try and figure out who my uh, who my ICP ideal customer profile is. Mm -hmm. So the the first thing. Um, the f before before we before I go and define my ideal customer profile, mm -hmm. there's two things that that I must know. There's two things that I must understand, and the first is what is the problem that I solve, and the second thing is what is the value chain of uh, of stakeholders that care about this problem. So, for example, uh, let's say let's say I need a, a cup of coffee in the morning because otherwise I'm not that fun. Uh, and the stakeholders are me, my family, my clients, my boss that want me to be a, a top performer, right? So, mm -hmm. uh, so if we take Starbucks as an example, so uh, Howard Schultz, which I think is uh, the CEO or the kind of the, the the real operator behind who really made Starbucks into what it is today. Uh, so uh, he set out to solve uh, to solve this problem that uh, that we experience, uh, but but you know I don't I don't know Howard Schultz, but I'd say that he ticked the box on these five things. Okay, so number one, his customers had the problem that he was trying to solve. Number two, the problem was big enough that his customers were willing to pay. Number mm -hmm. three, Starbucks really solved the problem that their customers had. Number four, there's five. <laughs> so number four, number four, uh, customers had the ability to pay uh, Starbucks to solve their problem, uh, and the market, the, the or the industry segment, depends on what you're doing, uh, had enough business opportunities uh, to basically to to reach the level of business, uh, this level of scale that he was reaching for. So after checking uh, checking these boxes, uh, we can then under under we can then define what I like to call the LinkedIn style ideal customer profile, which is kind of organization, uh, title, uh, I don't know, age, gender, all these all these things that are kind of very, very schematic and very technical. But but in Starbucks case, right, what, what, what they came up with, their ideal customer profile was, first of all, you need to be living in an urban environment. Second of all, you need to be and on the go kind of white uh, white collar professional that's just looking to get a quick fix of caffeine in the morning third you need to be educated the force is they realize that the average age of their customer is 42 and 
the average income of the people that go to Starbucks is 90K per year. And that was mm-hmm. how they, they defined the ICP. And it's all built on those five, five questions, those five ticks in the boxes that, uh, uh, that I mentioned before. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah. that's, how I, that's how I'd say you go about uh, defining your ICP. Mm-hmm. You know, you mentioned about Starbucks, and I remember when my brother uh, told to his daughter, my nephew, uh, don't go to Starbucks after the school, go to home, <laughs> don't waste your time on Starbucks. <laughs> so it's a, a new point. Her time and his money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because it's not more about money. Uh, she loves to eat something unhealthy there, you know? Yeah. It's more about debt and wasting time. It's better to read books, you know? So yeah. uh, businesses need to consider their parents or some influencers who can <laughs> impact through the their decision okay uh let's talk about linkedin uh share your ways uh to find customers on linkedin do you use uh, paid marketing or organic reach and uh some your methods tricks uh, how to cover uh, big audience or uh, or target customers yeah so maybe maybe i'll start with a short story that kind of uh, uh help me understand why linkedin works Mm-hmm. Um, so when I went back, when I had my own agency, when I had my uh, go to market agency, so someone told me, someone gave me a tip, look, if you want to find customers, uh, so you need to be posting on LinkedIn mm-hmm. and I did it for about six months. I posted on LinkedIn every day and I got one, like I got two likes, I got three likes some every now and then a friend would say, Oh, great, uh, great post or something like that. Even though I know he has nothing to do with, uh, with, mm-hmm. uh, uh, with what I wrote. Uh, and I did it like I was just consistent. And then one day I was sitting at home. It was like nine o'clock in the evening, and I get a call from a CTO of one of the one of the biggest companies here uh, here in Israel, uh, mm-hmm. big big tech company. And I haven't spoken to him in a year and a half. I don't know why he's calling. Like we're not friends or anything like that. So I pick up the phone. I say, Hey, how are you doing? He's like, David, what are you doing? And mm-hmm. I was like. What do, you, what do you mean? What am I doing? And he's like, every day, every morning, I pick up my phone, I open LinkedIn, and you're the first thing that I see. <laughs> and 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 he doesn't he doesn't comment, he doesn't like, he doesn't share, he doesn't write uh-huh. to me, kind of DM me, say, David, good job, like you're doing great things. He doesn't say anything. But every morning he sees me. And that's mm-hmm. when I realized, that's when I realized that it's not about the engagement. It's about being out there every day. Because LinkedIn, I think, in the, in a post-COVID world that's that's a new networking like there's the like it's what we're doing now right it's you reached out to me on linkedin like mm-hmm. like because we were kind of following each other and then like we decided to to do this together but mm-hmm. but and that's that's how you create opportunities now and uh, and then it kind of made a switch in my mind and i realized that okay this is this is generating business and then i doubled down on linkedin and i started being very uh, very very niche and I started talking about only things that I offered as a service, like as my, so I started talking about business development, go to market and marketing. Those were kind of, I just kept repeating myself saying the same thing over and over and over again. And every time I'd say, like every time I'd say something, um, so someone out of my network would like and, uh, or comment. And I, 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 every time I would add them to my network, I would follow them or I would comment on what they said and I would create a conversation. 
and that just grew and grew and grew and grew and just kept kept growing and it also like it made a lot of people feel very comfortable to reach out to me and like about once uh, once a week a, a vp or a ceo or a, 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 an angel investor would kind of reach out and say hey david i saw your post like maybe we can chat and i get on a chat and a lot of times it led to nothing a lot of time there was like no uh, no action i was just like uh, friends talk so to speak but every now and then it was a customer it turned mm-hmm. into a customer and I, and that was without paid that was completely organic private private like my own profile nobody cares um and and then when i realized that i realized that if you start doing this with paid then you're like the, there's no stopping you paid is expensive especially on linkedin linkedin is an expensive platform because you can be very specific on the type of people that you want to target but the the thing is that you can be ve- because you can be so specific you know you can also customize the content to to the people that you're trying to go after and you can talk about their exact problems and that means that your uh, your click through rate your ctr is going to be much higher so linkedin's benchmark i think is like uh, 0.4% per like for every ad that someone sees so that would be like the the average of people who would click right so our content runs at about five, six percent. Mm-hmm. I say yeah. that's like, yeah, it's like 10, 10, 11 times the benchmark. Yeah. And nice. the reason why, why it's like that is because, because we create, well, first of all, we create good content and we're very, very targeted. Nice. Love it. Love it. You know, uh, it's interesting um, uh, about your story. Uh, you know, uh, most content creators give up because they don't see likes, comments, uh, followers. And uh, yeah, they, they think, oh, I can't create high quality content or engagement content. So yeah. it doesn't work for me, but it's nonsense. You know, uh, it takes time. You know, it takes time. Uh, takes consistency. Time. Yeah. And uh, on the first stage, it's better to forget about any engagement. Just do what you like. What you, if you did it for six months and uh, didn't care a lot about engagement, that means you love it. You know, you enjoy your time. You, uh, you can go ahead with that, and in some time it will be back. No, yeah. yeah. Uh, a great example. Of, uh, I remember when Mr. Beast, he filmed videos for an year and a half and got only first thousand subscribers. Uh, uh, PewDiePie, uh, he filmed a hundred videos to get only 285 subscribers. And today oh. we know them, you wow. know, these guys have <clears throat> you got to start. Millions. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah, uh, I completely, completely agree with that. Uh, and you know, it's interesting about paid marketing. Uh, for example, I had a lot of uh, great specialists on my show and most of them pay attention to Facebook and Google. But one of them, uh, the name Garrett, uh, Garrett Mehrut, you know, it's interesting about this guy. Uh, He spent a million dollars on LinkedIn marketing and got uh, 10 10 million dollars back, you know, in revenue. So uh, I think if you find the way how it works, if you can uh, spend your time and um, most um, paid marketers 
fail because uh, LinkedIn uh, data is not uh, similar to Facebook and Google. They have a lot more resources, uh, settings. But if you use uh, third-party data, uh, I mean, like to take it, analyze it, and he found the way and he... Uh, earn like nine million dollars you know <laughs> on linkedin paid marketing so it works it works uh, it's better to find your way you don't need to copy others uh, it's expensive channel but uh, you can get much better leads uh, and sales on linkedin so but uh, yeah uh, i pay a lot more attention with organic reach as well so be, uh, because paid marketing doesn't work for me uh, it's not my way uh, and yeah uh, it's better to Forget about uh, results, uh, especially if you if you start from scratch. So it's better, yeah. Go step yeah. by step. I okay. Okay. Uh, I have the question. Uh, it's probably basic question, uh, broad question, but uh, people ask me uh, how much startups need to spend uh, on marketing. You know, I think I think the, that's the, that the real question is that wh when when should they start spending? Because how much? Like, if you ask me, how much should a startup spend? A million dollars. <laughs> but yeah. the, but the question is when, and I think mm -hmm. that a lot of uh, a lot of marketers so they they get a budget, they they approve a budget with the CFO, and they say, okay, I'm going to spend everything, and they're like. And, and that's the wrong way to think about it because what I think and what I try to do is build a system is to say, okay, first of all, like to, is to kind of see the funnel and to make sure that it works, to make sure that like, so I start by spending $500. Okay. okay. And I, like, I see, I see that like the people that I'm reaching with $500 are people that I want to reach. I'd like, so I see like, I don't know uh, how many people do this, but, uh, a lot of a lot of business leaders they pay they play the numbers game what does that mean it means that they uh they try and bring as many leads in possible right because mm -hmm. if you bring in a lot of leads so that means there's at the end there's going to be a lot of customers but i don't care about bringing in a lot of leads i care first of all i don't like the word leads i like using the word opportunity uh, but i like bringing in a relatively small amount of opportunities that i know fit my icp because mm -hmm. if 90% of your funnel fits your ideal customer profile, you have a much better chance than, uh, than following up on a lead of someone that's, uh, that's irrelevant to what you're doing as a, as a company. Mm -hmm. And so, so I think like when you ask me how much, how much to spend, I'd say, first of all, make sure that your system works. Make sure that, make, that your funnel is clean, that you're not getting any crappy leads, that you're not getting... People that, I don't know, like if, for example, you're solving a, a cybersecurity software and you're selling, you're selling this to banks and to governments and suddenly like the people in your funnel are, are grandmothers, right? Sitting at home, like 60 year old walking the dog every day. Like that's not, that's not people who are going to spend 200K on a, on, a, on a SaaS product, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's irrelevant that they're in your funnel. So if you keep your funnel clean, like if you are able to prove that your funnel is clean, I think that's when you can start spending a lot of money. Like that's when you can jump from $2,000 a month to $20,000 a month. So $20,000 a month to $200,000 a month. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's my, that's my take. 
Yeah, guys, uh, you can spend zero dollars, zero, <laughs> just your time, you know, because yeah, time yeah, is more yeah, expensive yeah. than money. So it doesn't matter uh, how big your budget is. It's better to outsmart than overwhelm. For example, if you can't compete with a billion dollar companies, don't compete. Just find don't another compete. way. Yeah, find yeah. Uh, their weak side. By, by the way, SEO is uh, mm-hmm. is, am- is amazing. Like yeah. if, you, if you don't have if you don't have a budget understanding the fundamentals of seo can get you a long a long way a long long way like mm-hmm. the the like there's so many uh software pr- uh, products that can that can help you like un- analyze the data even if you don't want to pay for those you can just use uh uh basic basic google products to, to understand uh but doing it uh, by the way also doing seo correctly take a consultant like it's yeah. uh like if, if you don't know what you're doing like take a consultant so mm-hmm. yeah got it yeah. you know i can't avoid one question you know uh we, we are talking around 30 minutes but i ca- i can't avoid this question you know i see in your background australia is blue you know <laughs> can you <laughs> explain me that I'm, I'm actually going to australia in two weeks i've got some family there uh so i'm going to be visiting mm-hmm. i go there every two years uh but yeah i think uh where's my uh, my map Mm-hmm. So you can see uh-huh. like parts of the US, a lot of Europe, uh, yeah. and, uh, South America. So yeah. Yeah, got it. Okay. Yeah, nice approach, yeah. you know. Yeah. Because uh, uh we have uh, some we use small flags, you know, to uh, stick them uh, on the wall, you know, on the map. Yeah, and yeah, we usually <laughs> mark places where we can go. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. uh, can you tell uh, more where to pay more attention? to sales or marketing, you know, uh, for example, of course, everyone wanna sell, but without marketing, it's, it's hard. Uh, can you uh, tell from your experience how to find this balance between marketing and sales? It's a really good question. Um, I think that today in a, in a world that is very much online, I think that sales is become one-on-one sales where you kind of have a meeting is becoming less and less relevant. And I'll give you an example. Let's say that you want to buy running shoes today. Mm-hmm. What's the first thing that you do? You go online, you Google running shoes, you Google Nike, you Google uh, Adidas, you Google uh, Siconia or whatever it is. You say top five uh, running shoes for, for this, uh, this, that, and the other. Then you do the research. You say, you say okay, this is the pair, the, the pair or two that I want. You go to the store. And you say, okay, give me those. Let me try them on. You try them on. If they're good, you buy them. You don't even you don't even ask the salesperson anything, mm-hmm. right? Because because it's like you already know what you want. And it's like that with every product today. It's like yeah. that with uh, uh, with a marketing product. It's like that with uh, with services. Uh, it's like that with uh, lawyers. It's it's with everything. You do mm-hmm. your research online, and because you do your research online so the whole sales process is happening under the in the marketing realm right because marketing mm-hmm. is 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 responsible for anything before it touches uh, before it goes into the company and uh, touches a uh, a human being so to speak so i'd say that the uh, if you need to divide the business into two like between marketing and sales i'd say that in an online world you need to be putting much more focus on marketing and grow the sales team 
when you start to see a lot of traction coming from marketing. But mm-hmm. by the way, this also means that marketing needs to be done well. Because if you're mm-hmm. doing bad marketing, there's like obviously sales are going to be pissed because they're not getting any opportunities to, to close. Uh, and if they're not getting opportunity, opportunities to close, so the business is failing. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I'd say marketing needs to be the biggest part of the, the business function, uh, but it needs to be done right for the company to succeed. People you, in North you. Korea applaud you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, they I don't like know that. anything about marketing and sales, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they love uh, valuable stuff. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay. Uh, but by the way, it's interesting about marketing. Uh, mark- marketing can't help bad products. You know, if you have bad products, uh, marketing. Nothing you can and, do. Yeah, and sales can't help you. <laughs> it's better to develop and improve products as well. And also, marketing marketing exposes. Like, if there's a bad product. With marketing, mm-hmm. you'll find out very quickly. <laughs> yeah. Very quickly. <laughs> totally. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Okay. Uh, how to estimate the market size? For example, uh, I'm a software as a service. I'm going to launch my tools, uh, want to grow uh, fast uh, to get a lot of revenue. How to, uh, I don't know, like to uh, predict uh, my uh, my market size and yeah, uh, and go ahead with that. Well, um, so there's two, there's two approaches, right? There's the uh, bottom, there's a, sorry, the top down, right? And then mm-hmm. there's a bottom up. Okay. So if you're mm-hmm. doing top down, it means that basically you do, you, uh, let's say you said uh, the example you gave was a SaaS uh, cybersecurity, for example, mm-hmm. uh, and basically you Google SaaS cybersecurity market, and then you'll see like a bunch of figures telling you it's a hundred billion dollars a year or $200 billion a year. And it doesn't really matter. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, and uh, the reason why it doesn't matter is because I, I think is that you don't really see the opportunities of your company. And what I like mm-hmm. to do is the bottom up approach, which means you you. First of all, you price yourself, right? You price the product. So let's mm-hmm. say a product costs cost one dollar. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you figure out how many accounts or how many people are available to, uh, to to buy your product and are, are willing and able to buy your product. So let's say, like we talked about cybersecurity SaaS, let's say that uh, the, this, is, uh, this is specifically for banks, right, in the United States. So all we need to do is Google number of banks in the United States. And I'm sure that if I, if I do that now, I'm gonna find, I'm gonna find that figure. That's, a, that's mm-hmm. the first thing. And then you time that by, let's say it, it's, uh, it's 1 million banks, so time that by a dollar that your service is worse, and that's that's your real market. Now, if you want to be even more specific than that, it's going on platforms like LinkedIn, which are relatively cheap compared to stuff like Zoom Info and, uh, and those type of things. And you basically go into the search bar and you search for the, like on Sales Navigator, and you try and figure out the number of accounts that fit your ideal com- uh, customer profile. So basically, mm-hmm. accounts, let's say you're going for banks. So that means in uh, big banks, so it would be 100 people and up in financial services. And you're looking for a keyword bank, right? And then you'll see how many accounts there are in the United States. 
Mm-hmm. And you, yeah. not only will you see the number, you'll also see the accounts themselves. And you can go into those accounts and talk to the people that uh, uh, that uh, that could possibly buy your product. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you mentioned a few times about LinkedIn. So I think it's the main channel. Uh, let's talk about uh, about uh, posting content on LinkedIn. Uh, for example, if I post content about my services, I can't get high engagement. Uh, probably, uh, and yeah, it impacts my sales as well. Uh, uh, nobody will care about my e-commerce content because uh, users on LinkedIn, even on Facebook, Instagram, they have no buying mood. You know, they don't want to buy. Uh, they came uh, with different goals. I don't know to engage with others, to find something uh, useful, but they don't want to buy. How to use this call to action? How to provide this strong reason uh, to buy your products? Uh, or it's better to skip it and create brand awareness, and when the right time will come to uh, to sell products. So there's. Uh... No, there is a, a saying about shortcuts that shortcuts mm-hmm. have a tendency to make the make your way even longer longer. Mm-hmm. Or I like mm-hmm. to put it: shortcuts have a tendency to lead you to hell, uh, which is a bit dramatic. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that when you try to sell, like when you say when each post of yours is "I'm David, I'm selling uh, uh, artificial intelligence with satellite imagery to the construction industry," so nobody cares. Mm-hmm. Nobody cares because you're not teaching them anything new and nobody wants to be sold. People want to learn. Mm-hmm. So and how and so the way we do it is we talk about the problem constantly and we keep giving different aspects of the problem. And people like it. Why why do we talk about the problem? Because it shows empathy. So mm-hmm. our customers feel that there's somebody who understands what there is what they're going through. And when they feel that, they're gonna try and figure out what you do. They're going to come to you. They're going to mm-hmm. do the research on you. And it's it's not intuitive because when you want to sell, right? If like if your your goal for this month is to bring in $10,000 uh, $10, and you don't see that happening because you're not trying to sell, it's very difficult not to try and like not not to go down that path. Mm-hmm. But if you're looking at, at it like in a in a long-term perspective, like if you're looking down the down the road, if you're looking at a 12-month timeline, so that's what you need to do because that's mm-hmm. how you build the trust with people. Trust, trust is like like if you don't if they don't trust you, they're not going to buy from you, especially mm-hmm. especially if you're not a commodity, right? If you're something, if you're doing something special that they don't they they don't understand yet, if they don't trust you, they're not going to buy from you. And they're not going mm-hmm. to tell their boss about them. And they're not going to tell the CFO and trying to convince them that they need the budget that they didn't plan for, mm-hmm. right? Because every expense that you have, like if if the company doesn't have a budget for it and it's a big expense, it's very hard to convince an organization to 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 pay you that money. But if you have a champion in the organization that trusts you, it's much much easier. Got it. Yeah, valuable. Uh, okay, I have the last question about. Uh, learning uh if someone wanna be an expert like you uh to get all the skills and earn money on this niche uh provide your insights where they need to pay more attention uh where, where to start from for example for beginners and how to develop and improve skills that they have so i have two two things to say i think that 
First of all, every marketer needs to see himself or herself as a business person. Mm-hmm. Because if you're a marketer that only cares about likes, comments, and shares, you're not you're not seeing the big picture. Marketing isn't about likes, comments, and shares. It's about creating money. And it's about bringing in customers that want to pay money. And once you understand that and you start thinking as a, as a business person and not as a, pro, as a person that's trying to create a nice content that looks good with a nice mm-hmm. design, so you start becoming impactful on the business and people start caring about what you're doing because mm-hmm. you're making the business run. That's number one. Uh, number two, and this is where I've learned most of my marketing capabilities from, is from uh, another podcast uh, run by a person called Chris Walker, which is mm-hmm. uh, the Demand Generation Live podcast. And I think that in a post-COVID world where everything's on- online, uh, Chris has been very much, uh, um, uh, uh, I-, I think that he's one of the only people who have really understood the, the shift that, the, that happened in the market, that it's not about MQLs anymore. It's not about the leads. It's about the money. It's about paying customers. And when marketing starts to uh, see themselves as paying customers, that's when everything's changed, both for the organization and for the marketing team. Uh, so two things to learn and become a better marketer. First of all, think of yourself as a business person. And second of all, uh, follow, uh, follow Chris's podcast. Cause I think there's a lot to be said there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting that Chris uh, gets high engagement on his videos, you know, crazy, yeah. crazy. crazy. Yeah. I don't know how crazy. he can achieve such results. Uh, good but, for but him. you're yeah. following, but you're, you're following the, uh, the, the, the Bible like the mm-hmm. like the the way like putting out putting creating a podcast mm-hmm. uh, and put, putting out awesome content because uh, Anatoly you have awesome content uh, yeah. that's valuable for for the people that are that are part of your network and that that's how it's done today that's how yeah. it's done there's just no other way yeah and you know uh, it's interesting about your uh, rule number one that yeah. I got it that my 11 years son uh, is not marketer you know because he cares no, a lot about views likes comments <laughs> <laughs> he posts no. on on tiktok and on TikTok? i told him yeah i told him yeah. if you wanna uh post on tiktok uh then do it uh, i'm not interested if you consume all tiktok videos to watch them yeah. waste your time but if you create your content so man yeah okay do it yeah. and he doesn't care about money today. He cares only about views, how many views, comments, yeah, likes, and probably he's trying to figure out the time. algorithm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. By okay. the way, that, that's how you do it. You experiment. So yeah, yeah. nice, nice. Uh thanks, David. Yeah, it's a big pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. Come from you to get a lot of your insights. Uh thanks guys for listening and watching us. Uh and uh, yeah, welcome anytime. Yeah. Tell our audience how they can le- learn more about you, reach out to you, follow you. Yeah, just uh, look me up on LinkedIn, David Horish. I'm uh, from 4M Analytics. That's uh, the company I'm at. Um, and just reach out to me regarding anything. Feel free. Happy to help. Nice, nice. Okay, guys, you need to do it because, yeah, you can get a lot more value uh, from David. Yeah, uh, thanks a lot for your time. Sure. Thanks, Anatoly, for having me. 
Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.